Sox. Win Trust, proud partner of the Chicago White Sox. Only $100 required to open. No minimum monthly balance or maintenance fees. Member FDIC. Live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio, this is WMVP WSAG HD2. White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air! Deep to right! It is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. So welcome in to White Sox Weekly. We have reached the offseason for those who did not make the playoffs, and unfortunately the White Sox are one of them. We've reached the playoffs for those teams that were fortunate enough to make the tournament. We had a two-hour show for you this afternoon here on Saturday, October 7th. We'll go to one hour after this, but this is kind of, you know, one way or another, this show is kind of one of my favorite ones i I know it's kind of weird to say but to be able to kind of wrap up the season to look back at the entirety of what was makes some sense to me as a baseball fan right you've now got the 162 games in the book and you hope for more for sure Uh, but in the book and now you get to look back and see what went right and what went wrong and for the white Sox in 2023 there were unfortunately far too many things that went wrong certainly some things that went right Uh, But now, the task of Chris Getz and the other front office members that have been hired, the other coaching staff that has been retained, turns to what now for 2024. And we'll kind of shift our focus there here over the next two hours. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. And I want to tell you first and foremost that as we get going here this afternoon... The question to you on today's show is a simple one. I know you're probably kicking back and having yourself a soda pop, watching some college football or maybe some baseball playoff games if you can stomach it. I I understand it. But my question to you about the White Sox is this. What one thing, one, what one thing do you need to see changed from 2023? I think the challenge here is a pretty simple one, right? It's, it's a fairly straightforward one. Obviously, the White Sox, from the Chairman Jerry Reinsdorf all the way down to the very last of the coaching staff, has made changes after the end or even before the end of 2023 and into what 2024 is going to be. So there's change coming. And whether it be from a pitching standpoint, a defensive standpoint, an offensive standpoint, a personnel, a philosophy... All these kinds of things, they're all being scrutinized, analyzed, changed and implemented here over the next, over the coming months, right? Whether it be by uh, the front office, by the coaching staff, by the individual players as they embark on their off-season routines. I'm asking you, very simply, what one thing do you need to see changed from 2023 and we talk about anything i mean that's that's the question to you you want to go anywhere with the white Sox season of 2023 and into 2024 i'm here for you this shows yours as much as it is anything else but i i think kind of what i want to hear from you is is just identifying the one idea the biggest idea you know locating it down to the one thing that either irked you most or held the team back the worst or 
you know, kind of prevented what you wanted to see, what everybody wanted to see in 2023, and identify some of those things and work through them there. I want to talk about a lot of individual players here on the show this afternoon. We're going to talk about the front office and what's coming next. We're going to wrap up the season as best we can. We're going to talk a little bit about Luis Robert Jr. because everyone needs to pick me up. And that guy was as much of a pick-me-up as you could possibly imagine in 2023. So we'll kind of hit it all over the place and cover this team the best we can. But that's my question to you, and that's what I hope you can uh, kind of offer here to the show this afternoon. 312-332-3767. Yeah, you got it. Anyway, here's this, too. Uh, On 3 o'clock... We're going to be joined by the new guru of White Sox pitching, the, the, the head of the pitching organization, development staff, the whole thing. Brian Bannister is going to join us at 3 o'clock. He's a new front office hire by Chris Getz uh, and the rest brought in to do, you know what? I think that's where we'll start with him and where the process begins. Bannister is a well-known and, and fairly lauded uh, developer of pitching organizations, stabs, and, and individual pitchers for sure. He was an early adopter uh, of a lot of pitch FX stuff while he was pitching for the Kansas City Royals back in the you know mid 2000s, late 2000s. Um, by his own admission, didn't have a whole lot of stuff, didn't have a whole lot of velocity. So he and Zach Greinke, along with him, while they were teammates in Kansas City, were looking for a lot of ways to you know get better. Greinke, as a you know Cy Young candidate at the top of the rotation guy, and Bannister is a guy who's holding on to kind of his fourth and fifth spot in the rotation, or even maybe even long work at the time. So what made Bannister really interesting, especially in that era, uh, post-money ball, but le- before baseball savant and a lot of advanced metrics had made their way to the usual consumer, to, to us, the fans, uh, about what worked, what didn't, how players were trying to get around these advanced metrics and implement them into their own games, Bannister was, like I said, kind of an early adopter of it. And one of the things, one of the tenets that he's espoused, whether it be with the Boston Red Sox, with the Royals, with the, the San Francisco Giants, the different places he's worked as a front office member, has been kind of to zig while others zag, to identify the places and spaces where pitchers can get ahead of hitters. We've seen over the last you know decade and a half the advent of the high fastball, more and more velocity in the game, the strikeout increasing and increasing. Launch angle became such a big thing for hitters, so pitchers combated that by throwing high fastballs or fastballs at the top of the strike zone. And, and that led to a decrease in home runs for a lot of guys, a lot more fly balls, and a lot more strikeouts. So as the game evolves and changes, and we're already seeing that high fastball implemented well by a lot, but certainly changed and sinkers are coming back into the game along with sweepers and sliders. I'm really interested to see what Bannister thinks is kind of that next edge, right? That next frontier of where pitchers can live. And I mean that literally, right? Where they can live in the strike zone uh, with what pitch and, and how the White Sox can get out in front of as opposed to kind of riding the wave or, or kind of sitting in the crest of a wave um, league-wide and take advantage of some of those trends. So we're going to talk to Brian Bannister right at 3 o'clock. I, I do want to say, though, before we get too far down the line here and in and, and wrapping up the season and talking about what's coming next, I mentioned this on the final post-game show of the season after the White Sox fell to the Padres uh, and ended the season at 101 losses. I, I wanted to thank you, our listeners and fans. And I'm going to do this at the top of the show as opposed to the end in hopes that I grab a few more ears here as we get going, I I said thanks for a really great 2023. And obviously, 
the results on the field didn't have a whole lot to do with it. But we were really proud and privileged to bring you White Sox baseball all season last year, as we have since the onset of the White Sox radio network here on ESPN Chicago and the, and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox network. It's, you know, each year, I, I speak for Len and DJ just only a little bit here. I would, I would never do this for them otherwise with wider concepts. But I know I can speak to, for them in saying that it's really important to us that we bring you the best baseball broadcast we possibly can uh, and really thank you for your involvement and your input through Twitter or other places uh, throughout the year. We, we caught a couple of emails from people later on in the season expressing uh, their thanks for a good broadcast, which we humbly appreciate, um, and also you know, kind of letting us know that you know, this is a, regardless, a touchstone of summer for a lot of people and into fall and hopefully deep into November as soon as possible or October and into November as soon as possible. Um, but we really, really appreciated you, your input, uh, and your fandom throughout the 2023 season. So I wanted to, before we got really deep here into the show, say thank you for a really great 2023. To that end, you can be even closer to the action in 2024. Located directly behind home plate, the Wintrust Scout Seats offer access to our luxury club experience with all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and parking. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash scout seats or call or text 312-674-1000. So we've seen some news, some reports. The team is yet to confirm some of these changes. These three we know of, right? Gene Watson, Brian Bannister, and Josh Barfield all added to the White Sox front office in their various roles. What remains still uh, is sussing out the exact responsibilities and replacement uh, for Chris Getz, right? I mean, we know that Chris Getz is now the singular voice and top decision maker for the White Sox. That was you know, expressed in an end-of-season press conference and drilled pretty hard. Uh, by Getz himself and, and by Jerry Reinsdorf as to how that would be a change from the decision-making process the White Sox had kind of employed here over the last 15 years or so with, with Kenny Williams and, and Rick Hahn at the top of the decision-making chain in terms of the baseball operations department. And the way Chris has kind of gone about altering the front office some has been really expanding in scope so far, probably with more additions to come in various ways. Really expanding the scope of or, or individual responsibilities on a pitching and hitting side, right? Bannister being one of them um, and Barfield and, and Watson being others in, in pro development and scouting and all that kind of stuff. What we don't have yet is, is a replacement for Chris Getz as the farm director of the White Sox, the guy in charge of player development, depending on how you want to label it as an organization. That responsibility, uh, that management of the farm system is still an open position for the Sox. And that is, you know, it, it'll be someone whose name we know, whose contributions will catalog, right, and kind of walk through it. And then that kind of farm system will be watched in terms of production by players, right? We're, we're going to identify the individual successes of prospects, whether it be Colson Montgomery all the way down to, you know, the, 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 the high A players um, and kind of assess it from there. And then those successes and failures are uh, largely uh, dropped onto that farm director. So that will be an important uh, an important hire and something I think we'll talk about quite a bit when um, that hire gets made and, and at some point whenever uh, that, that, is, that replacement gets named. 
As for the coaching changes, we have a couple of them reported already. And again, the, the team has not the team has not confirmed these yet. Uh, these have been reported by various outlets, you know, the, the White Sox beat reporters that you come to know and love and hear from here on White Sox Weekly. Daryl Van Scowen and Lamont Pope and James Fegan uh, and Scott Merkin, among others. Uh, Vinny Duber of CHGO. Uh, they've all talked about some of these things to a certain degree. It sounds like, and again, these are reports, that the White Sox hitting coaches have been either relieved of their duties or reassigned to others, and that includes Jose Castro as the primary hitting coach. Uh, it, it sounds like he's not coming back. I believe Daryl Van Scowen had that report. Assistant hitting coach Chris Johnson uh, is expected, per reports, to be assigned to other minor league duties. Uh, Daryl Boston, the first base coach and outfield instructor, is not expected to be back. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, that report was from Lamont Pope, first uh, Kurt Hassler, the assistant pitting, pitching coach and bullpen coach, is expected to be reassigned. Uh, Ethan Katz, the pitching coach, is expected to stay on. So a fair amount of turnover in the coaching staff, some consistency, and we'll see if some other cha- uh, coaches familiar to the organization are either promoted from within or some other coaches are brought from without. Um, we don't have those changes quite yet. I, I think they'll be elucidating once those coaches coaching hirings are made. You know, but as we've seen over the last couple of years, especially with the position of hitting coach, this organization, this White Sox, you know, hitting infrastructure has been one that's been, you know, unfortunately, uh, over and over again, kind of characteristic, right? It has had one trait, um, others too, but one trait specifically that has really held them back, and that's swinging it too much out of the strike zone, right? I don't know that sounds simplistic. It's probably something that my Babe Ruth coach yelled at me, you know, during the day. Stop swinging at stuff outside the strike zone, Connor. My God, I'm going to bench you again. I heard that a lot during the summers. But but it is a it is a problem for the White Sox, and it has been for a couple of years. They were able to circumvent that even in 2021 through some high batting averages and a lot more home runs when they did make contact, and they walked a lot too in 21. Those. Um, those home runs, those walks, that contact has suffered some in the last couple of years, suffered greatly in 2023 to the point where the team, as a team, put together one of the worst OPSs that they have put together in the last 30, 40 years. So that offense looks like it's going to get quite a makeover at the very least from a coaching standpoint. We'll get into the pitching side of things in a little bit. We got a lot more to go. We got players to talk about, contract decisions to discuss. Uh, but I want to take some phone calls here while we've got them. 312 332 6767. That's the number. And in South Bend, Indiana, Mark is on the line and now on White Sox Weekly. What's on your mind, Mark? Mark! We got Mark? Mark's a very quiet caller uncharacteristic of most we'll put people. Mark on hold and see. Let's put Mark on hold and see what we can get with. You know, tell you what, here's what we're going to do. A little programming on the fly, right? Flow lines are open, despite the fact that we couldn't hear Mark for a second. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll hear from Mark. We'll take your phone calls. My question to you is a simple one, although you want to talk anything about the White Sox, we're here for you. What one thing do you need to see changed? From 2023 into 2024. That's the question for you here on White Sox Weekly. We'll get back to Mark and the rest of the phone calls in just a quick minute. This is White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. 
This is White Sox Weekly. On the home of the Chicago White Sox. ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. In 2024, located on the 200 level behind home plate, the Guaranteed Break Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash GRC. That's whitesox.com slash GRC. Or call or text 312-674-1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Got you for the final two-hour show of the 2023 season. We go to one hour after this. White Sox Weekly is on every Saturday. I believe we're going to be on from 2 until 3. We'll update that on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. 2 until 3 on Saturdays from here on out. Our chance to take some phone calls this afternoon. Uh, Brian Bannister, who has been added to the front office, is going to be our guest at 3 o'clock. We'll talk all things White Sox pitching with Brian as he's been added to the White Sox front office uh, to help shore up that whole pitching infrastructure and philosophy. Again, 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly and the postgame show, for that matter. But out in South Bend, Indiana, Mark is on the line. And, Mark, I think we got the ghost out of the machine here, buddy. What's uh, what's on your mind? Thanks for calling. Hi, Connor. Uh, Connor, it's honored to chime in with you. After the uh, playoffs were over and when uh, when the official trade area, you know, uh, winter leagues and the, I mean the winter uh, meetings and that come in, I think uh, Chris Getz ought to throw his his feet into the fire to start. And here's a trade offer: he ought to call the GM of the uh, Anaheim Angels and already already you know and and offer Luis Robert Jr. Plus the two prospects they got in the Giolito trade, the uh, left-handed pitcher named, I believe, Ty Bush and the catcher prospect. Yeah, Ty Bush them. and Edgar Caro. Yeah, but sure, absolutely. For Mike Trout and take his last seven years, it's two hundred fifty-four million. That's a lot, but I, I would go. I would shoot at it. And I know Mike Trout's got a trade veto. He might say, "I can't go to Chicago." Sure. But I would. I would try something like that if I was Chris Getz coming right out the blocks. I know he'd have to go to Clayton Moore or, or Dayton Moore and, and Jerry and that, but uh, he, he ought to recommend that right to them coming out the block. Well, Mark, Dayton Moore's uh, not part of the White Sox front office. I know that had been rumored and talked about some. That didn't happen. Let me ask you, why, why trade for Mike Trout and give up on a guy who's younger than 30 and trade for a guy who's had the injury issues uh, and is over 30 in Mike Trout? I still think he's got a, a potential of a between a 950 and a 1000 OPS with the, assuming that the hand, the hand injury recovers in that. And I think in the, if another seven years, he could blast 300 home runs out of that launching pad and he would definitely fill seats and bring other guys who want to play. All right, Mark, appreciate you, my man. Um, listen, here's, here's what I would say about that specifically. While I do not disagree with Mark, that I will stop betting on Mike Trout the day he tells me that he's retiring from baseball. I mean, I think the guy's otherworldly talent. I hope, I hope, I hope, just because I I love watching the best play, right? 
I want to see Mike Trout healthy. I want to see him play another 10 10 years. I want to see, not 15, that'd be ridiculous. Although if we wanted to, it'd be great. I want to see him play another 10 years. I want want to see him, a guy who was already put together one of the best opening acts and and really at this point full careers uh, of my lifetime in terms of most consistent, best player, all that kind of stuff. That was the, but Mike Trout's the guy. I want to see him put together the counting numbers because we all love him. Uh, that are going to put him in his rightful upper echelon once he makes the Hall of Fame. It's my belief, and I think it's many others, that if he were to retire today, put him in the Hall of Fame tomorrow, waive the five-year waiting period. I don't care. Mike Trout is headed in there. However, when it comes to the White Sox in 2024, and this is something I'm really interested in, something we'll try and suss out a little bit from Brian Bannister, although I won't blame him for being cagey about it, I'm yet to understand what the direction is for 2024. And I think it's for some fair reasons. Chris Getz is yet to really kind of announce, hey, here's where we're headed. Or here's how we want to get to what, here are the things we need to do to get to where we want to go, right? I mean, we all know that, like, contention is the next step or the final destination for the White Sox, right? It, It should be for every single team. How do you get back to that World Series? As an old friend of mine said, does this get you closer to winning a championship? And I, and I think those steps, right, the next steps are going to be some of those things. But it does kind of sound like in some of the press conferences that Getz has given over the last little bit, whether it be his introductory press conference or the two subsequent ones he gave while in the White Sox dugout, you know, kind of a more, a little bit more of an informal and less of like a, you know, an announcement here, State of the Union sort of thing. More like a, hey, check in with the GM. He's been on the job for a month now. Let's see what he has to say. He's been a little bit more, you know, I don't fault him for it one way or the other. I think an assessment period makes sense, but he's been kind of more in the assessment period as opposed to the declarative period of his of his GM tenure at this point. I am... I don't know, eager, I guess, to find out exactly where we're headed and and how the White Sox want to get there. There are a series of decisions coming up here that I think are going to, whether uh, Getz speaks to them or not directly after they're done, uh, that are going to kind of announce a little bit of a direction or maybe even a major point of direction for the White Sox in 2024 and beyond. We're going to talk about what those inflection points will be here in a little bit, but just to to tease it out a little bit, there, there's several. It is deciding on the option for White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson. He's got an option left for 2014. In a smaller way, it's deciding on an option for Liam Hendricks. He's got a team option at $15 million. No, he will most likely not be able to pitch in 2015, uh, 2024. Nope. Yeah, 2024, right? What year is this? I'm sorry, I have a small child at home and I don't sleep a whole lot. I think it's 2024 coming up here. Uh, He will not pitch in 2024, more than likely. Uh, But is there an agreement, an extension that, you know, has him here in 2020? We'll talk about all that here on the show as we go. Um, But those are some of the immediate uh, decisions that we're going to see made, as you know, as well as the addressing of the coaching staff, according to the reports that we've gotten from White Sox beat reporters uh, that are going to kind of clue us in on a direction here, I think. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. My question to you, and again, your dime, your dance floor, as another one said, uh, what one thing would you like to see change from 2023? But if you want to go to another spot with it, we're here for you. On the south side, it's Pete on White Sox Weekly. What's on your mind, Pete? 
Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Um, first of all, I'm glad that they're going to keep the pitching coach, Ethan Katz. I think that's a smart move. I think he's really good with the young pitchers, and he gets a lot out of the pitching staff. Um, the reason I'm calling is, uh, you know, they dumped the uh, hitting coaches and sent them to the minors and whatnot. And I was friends with uh, Greg Walker back in the day. Sure. Uh, he and his wife and my girlfriend and I would go out for drinks after the game and whatnot. And a lot of baseball discussion went on during drinking time, which is really fun, by the way. Well, it's the best way to have baseball discussion, in my opinion, Pete. Responsibly, oh, of course. But, uh, you know, he came out and said, he said, first of all, he said, this is the kind of job that any time if our team isn't hitting, I could be gone yes. no matter how good I am at what I'm doing. You know, he says, I can't go out there and hit for him. He also said that some hitting coaches' style is almost like meddling. Like, you know, they're trying to change the swing and the approach a little more than some players are comfortable with. Now, some players, he told me that, you know, you can get more out of them by using that approach. But uh, some players, you just got to let them stand the way they stand and, you know, just kind of go with it, you know? Yeah. And uh, they have to be flexible. And I think today's modern pitching coaches are too much like your foot's got to be there, your eyes got to be there, your shoulder, your elbow's got to be here and there. And sometimes you just got to kind of let a guy go with what he's known his whole career. Pete, well, appreciate the phone call, man. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you pointed out some nuance there, some difference. Let's get into that after a quick break. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about hitting. We'll talk a little bit about the White Sox approach as an offense over the last couple of years and how it has unfortunately steadily declined from something that was really impressive, uh, really forceful to watch in 2021 and into the, one of the league's worst offenses in 2023. I think Pete made some salient points about, you know, who and how, who can and how do they reach hitters? How do you alter approaches? Um, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as for the pitching side or as we get to the pitching side with Brian Bannister. He's our guest at 3 o'clock, a new addition to the White Sox front office. I'm Connor McKnight. Now, 312-332-3776. We'll get to Pete's questions and respond to them and his points in just a little bit. You got White Sox Weekly on the High Rock Casino White Sox Network. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White, White Sox, Sox Weekly. Weekly. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. One hit in the air. Deep left. It is gone. Two-run homer. Luis Robert Jr. 5-3 Sox. The 1-0 is hammered in the air. Deep right center field, and she's going to go. A home run. Like that. Like that. Sox have the lead 5-4. A one hit in the air out into deep left center field, and it's going to go. You said what? It's just a matter of time. A three-run homer. It's 3-0 in the fifth. Len Casper and Darren Jackson on the call. This is White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. 
Sox fans, catch the action from a private diamond suite in 2024. Learn more about our different suite sizes now. You can host your closest friends and family with customizable food and beverage options next season. For more information, call uh, visit rather whitesox.com slash suites. That's whitesox.com slash suites. Or call 312-674-1000. Uh, texting a little bit with Len and DJ during the offseason. They seem to be getting their rest. They're recuperating well and learning how to build paper airplanes. Don't ask me, ask them. I don't know. It's a thing they're on. A journey they're on this offseason. Hopefully you see some paper airplanes flying out of the booth here in 2023. Uh, we're down here. It's it's Marathon Weekend in Chicago. And there are... I love Marathon Weekend. I had the the joy of doing play-by-play for a Chicago marathon years ago at a different shop. It was an absolute blast. I ran in high school and college um, and can't, won't do it anymore. It's mostly psychological, the pain, the fear, the torture. It all comes back. I don't, I, I can't run more than like 40 And here feet. he comes again. And here's, an, this, this is me calling. Yeah, the, no, the, the, yeah call. calling the marathon. Look, there he is running very fast. An hour later. Hey, look. Still going really fast. Look good for him. He's just really determined, is what he is. Uh, no, it's, it was it was it's a blast, and the, 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 I love Chicago in Marathon Weekend. Like it's just everybody's alive, and you take the train down here to do the show. I heard no fewer than four languages on the train that I that you just don't hear. I mean, it was not like Spanish, and and you know, it just it just wasn't like the languages you normally hear. I don't know what three of them were, and that's and you know they're all running because they're in terrific shape and wearing their you know athletic stretchy gear and their running shoes and they've got their marathon bags and stuff. And it's like, man, you guys are just way more motivated about things than than I am in life. Good for you. That's fantastic. Meanwhile, you're you guys throw up on your shirt. You're trying to. I actually managed to change the pants that had the the spit up on them. Not from me, from my small infant child. Uh, I managed to change the then wear clean pants into work today. I was very, that is the peak of motivation. Progress. For Connor McKnight here in the offseason, Kendra. I, I appreciate you pointing it out. But yeah, most of my, most of my clothing free from spit up, which I'm incredibly proud of. Uh, we played the Luis Robert, Kendra played the Luis Robert Jr. highlights on the way back, mostly because uh, she did the work and I thought that it tailed pretty well into what our last caller, Pete, was talking about on the show. And he was kind of mentioning the, the hitting coach, right? According to reports, it's, it's not done yet. The team hasn't announced it, but according to reports, there are going to be changes amongst the White Sox hitting coaches in, in perhaps a couple of different ways. And Pete mentioned that, you know, it is very much a, white, uh, a hitting coach's job to be fired when it goes wrong, right? And I think that's the case for coaches in every sport, right? You get to the professional level, and that's the chat about uh, NFL coaches. It's the talk about MLB managers. It's what we say about NBA head coaches. You are hired, unless you're Greg Popovich, to be fired. There, there just aren't a lot of coaches, especially in the different specialities, right? Like whether you're the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator at the NFL level, the pitching coach, the hitting coach, you're kind of hired to be fired. I mean, it doesn't last long, unfortunately. Sure, there are other swings, other organizations, and other places that you can kind of apply your trade to be a coach or whatever, but for whatever reason, just kind of the nature of sports is a fickle thing, and it's tough to stay around for a long time. But the other thing Pete kind of mentioned is kind of the style of how to teach hitting at the big league level. And this is, you know, for those of you who might be coaches or have been coached at a, at a lower level, right? Like a college ball or maybe a high level of travel ball or 
um, even even into the early minor leagues. There's a certain amount of pliability and teachability that those kinds of hitters can kind of go through and understand and kind of alter and change their approach and whatnot. But by and large, what we talk about when we talk about a, a big league hitter is a guy whose approach, whose swing, mostly is kind of the thing it is, right? It's its its own, it is the entity that got him to the big leagues. And it's much more difficult, I think, in large, in, from, from an aggregate standpoint, to change those kinds of things than it is for a pitcher to change a windup or an arm motion or a swing or a pitch grip or a pitch mix, for that matter. Those kinds of things evolve almost naturally because they set the action. The hitter plays defense in baseball, really. They're reacting to the thing that's literally thrown at them. So you kind of have to stay with what's most comfortable to you because it's about reacting to that ball that's being thrown in a lot of instances a lot closer to your face than you want it to be thrown to your face. So I think when when I was coming up and kind of covering baseball, something that I talked about a lot, and it's just pure happenstance that Hawk Harrelson also talked about it a lot, I kind of always thought that it, it made more sense to have more hitting coaches and more pitching coaches. For, for a whole bunch of different reasons, but not the least of which were, what are the odds that one guy, one hitting coach, is going to connect with each one of the 13 hitters, I mean nowadays 13 hitters, that he's got on his big league roster and be able to coach each and every one of them, find the individual you know, measures of trust uh, that are going to connect with each guy. Forget the trust. Let's say you do establish that with each and every big league hitter. Now you got to find the language that makes the most sense to him because talking about hitting with a big league hitter is even difficult. DJ talks about this a lot, and I think it's a great example of what we're talking about here. It took a lot of different hitting coaches talking about a lot of different things before whatever it is, it was Walt Reniak, happened to be the guy that DJ was with at the time that kind of altered the swing a little bit, said some things, the same kinds of stuff that had been seen said to him throughout his minor league development. Same kinds, he just, Reniak said it a different way, it clicked with DJ at that point, and he went on to have one of his best big league seasons right after that because of those things kind of clicking. You need that kind of simpatico to work at, on a big league level. And nowadays, we're not just talking about the only, you know, the 13 guys on a big league roster. We're talking about the extra eight guys that are going to come up at some points during the season. You still got to get production out of them. How does one guy, what are the odds that one guy connects with the best to each and every one of those? So I've always kind of thought it, it made sense to have a couple of hitting coaches to work with a couple of different personalities or swings or cultures, upbringing, whatever, you know, more means, I think, in those cases, better results. And the White Sox are among a number of different teams over the last couple of years that have had multiple hitting coaches or, you know, advisors or gurus or, you know, field coordinators like Mike Tozar, who was here with the White Sox in his first year last year that had a lot of different duties. You know, they kind of centered around a whole bunch of different things. But, you know, hitting advice is one of them. And your manager can be a hitting coach at times, too. You know, Pedro Gafal talked about some of his work with Luis Robert Jr., and that's why we're going to talk about him in a second here. But another manager who was here in town for a while, Joe Madden, guy who you know, won a World Series, talked a lot about how really I mean, I'm kind of a hitting coach, and I happen to be the manager too. But this is kind of what I do. This is what I like to talk about and how I like to coach. So I think to that end, when you look at Luis Robert, right, like how do you reach a, a big league hitter? What results can you see change in real time in a big league season? 
in order to prove to you, the, the baseball fan, the White Sox fan, that 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 coaching is hitting that that uh, and I don't mean like you know actually contact at the plate but like you know hitting with the player resonating and I think you can look at Luis Robert Jr's all-star season and say well that seemed to work right and you credit the coaches and you credit the player and I've talked a lot about this so if you're an avid listener to White Sox Weekly first of all thank you and secondly I apologize for retreading some common ground here but after the, the miscommunication and benching that subsequented for Luis Robert in, early in the season, there was a, a, a meeting you know, that happened, a conversation. And Pedro Grafal has talked about this, so has Luis Robert. And what, what had been talked about there were a number of different things. But swing decision, mostly within the strike zone, was a huge topic of conversation. And I thought that really hit for Robert. And I think it goes to something that, that Robert is kind of good at and not good at all at the same time, Right. When he swings and makes contact, the ball goes very, very far. He also swings a lot. It is very difficult to look at a big league hitter. It's difficult to get the results that you want out of a big league hitter when you just go to him and say, you need to walk more. That doesn't result in more walks. And that doesn't result in a more confident hitter at the plate most times, more often than not. But getting your pitch to hit and hitting it you know, with the intent to do damage, can. Because you're asking this guy to continue to do something or do something more often that he's already doing, right? As opposed to stop this and start that when you say walk more. So I thought the in-zone swing decisions, for the most part, over the year, and Robert wasn't immune to slumps in 2023. He certainly had them, even though it was a great, great season for him. But I thought the in-zone swing decisions got a lot better for him. Swinging at pitches that he can better damage. Letting some pitchers' pitches go. Not chasing as much outside the strike zone. Or, if you do chase outside the strike zone, identify what pitches are just a little bit off the plate that you can still get to and do damage on in order to provide offensive lift for your team as opposed to rolling something over 6-3 and you're out. I think, and I talked about this with Carmen DeFalco on last week's White Sox Weekly, I think that's where Luis Roberts' next strides are to be made. I mean, if you look at the raw numbers, sure, the on-base percentage could go up from the, and I'll check the numbers here real quickly just so that I've got them right, 315 it was last year. You put the ball in play more if you're Robert, and I think you're going to get more hits, and that's the way that on-base percentage, the not-making-out skill, goes up as opposed to drawing a whole lot more walks. Now, if you do make more contact and you've got the power that Robert has, you scare more pitchers, and you're more likely to see more and more pitches toward the outside corners of the zone that you can lay off and, by point of, in point of fact, draw more walks on. So those things can kind of be reciprocal, but it's about you, about Robert in this case, making better decisions within the strike zone. So that's why I, you know, Pete kind of mentioned this, our last caller, when he was talking about hitting coaches and and philosophies a little bit. I don't know that it's as simple as bringing in for any team, whether it's the White Sox or anybody else you're talking about that's going to change a, a hitting coach or what have you. It's not about bringing a guy in that knows how to say or isn't afraid to say to big league hitters, you got to walk more. It's about getting them to that point through their own process by getting them to do things they do well better or more often. It seems to me that's kind of where this, you know, the the best coaching or how the best coaching kind of relies on their skill set 
reinforces the skill set, the, the good skill sets of, of, of the player they're talking about. We're going to talk to Brian Bannister about a little bit of this coming up at 3 o'clock here on White Sox Weekly. When we come back, though, I kind of want to lay out a few uh, of the newsier topics here. Uh, Vinny Duber of CHGO had a little bit of reporting with uh, Pedro Grafal here over the weekend, so we'll credit Vinny and tell you what he found out uh, through Pedro about Andrew Benintendi, that things were uh, a little bit more touch-and-go than we thought, even though we knew Andrew was playing uh, and coming back from a broken hammock bone and a hand injury for most of the year. Turns out it's a little bit more than that. We'll explain when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Sports on app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Turner hits a fly ball out into deep left, and it's off the top of the wall. Bounds back to Benintendi. Throws to second. They're going to get him. Turner thought he had a double. Benintendi played the carom again just perfectly. 2-2 coming, and a high fly out into deep right field. Way back there, and it is gone. That's a leadoff home run. Benintendi with his first this spring as a White Sox. It's one to one. 2 2 swung on, belted in the left. Long run for Benintendi. This is caught at the wall. Andrew Benintendi with a long run. And he just took extra bases from Guriel. And the pitch, swinging a fly ball, well hit to right. It's going to go. A home run into the bullpen for Andrew Benintendi. That's his third of the season, and it's 6-3. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Andrew Benintendi had some highlights this year for the White Sox. By and large, though, it was a season which injury held back some of the best performance possible for Benintendi. He still played 151 games. He hit 262. He had an on-base percentage of 362, and he slugged 356. That is a career low in slugging percentage for Benintendi, not counting the 2020 season. He only played 14 games in that season. For a lot of players, I think you kind of look at some of the outliers there in 2020 go, okay, everyone can forget the pandemic. Nobody liked it. We don't want to do it again. Uh, Pass. The the hardest of passes on on the pandemic. Thanks. However, Benintendi, in talking with Vinny Duber of CHGO, a damn good White Sox beat reporter, uh, was talking with, uh, oh, sorry, was talking to Pedro Grafal about Andrew Benintendi. And Pedro relayed to Vinny that, you know, there were a lot of days where it was a two o'clock, three o'clock decision, I believe Pedro put it, um, about whether Andrew Benintendi was going to be able to play whether he had what it took to stay in there, given the hand injury, and it sounded like some other things that Benintendi was playing through. And I I think when you look back at that season, it does two things for me. One, there was a lot of conversation, and I I had one with Andrew when he signed with the White Sox, the five-year, $75 million deal last offseason. We had Andrew on the show on White Sox Weekly. We really liked talking with him. We talked a lot about his Cincinnati Bengals for a while. I don't think we want to talk about his Cincinnati Bengals right now, but at the time, it was going really well. There's a playoff game to be had. But Menintendi hit five home runs 
in 2023. 2022, he hit five home runs. In 2021, he hit 17. Again, skip 20. 2019, 13 home runs. 2018, 16 home runs. 2017, 20 home runs. Benintendi kind of said in a conversation, I think about halfway through, maybe past the halfway point, just past the halfway point, that he's been kind of searching for it. And I believe he was referencing like the most comfortable version or, or most successful version of his swing that he's had. Searching for that since 2018. And indeed, that was a really good year with the Boston Red Sox, his second full season after finishing runner up and rookie of the year in 2017. Ben Intendi, oh, and by the way, Jose Altuve uh, won the MVP in that year and the AL Rookie of the Year in 2017. Any guesses? Remember that at all? Andrew Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, who won that one. Pretty good rookie year. Eight wins above replacement. Anyway, uh, with, with Ben Intendi kind of revealing that he'd been playing through it for most of the season, the other thing I kind of think of there is, well, it unfortunately, the, the fact that you had to go, the fact that you had to go to Andrew Benintendi as often as you did, you know, it really speaks to the rest of what the White Sox could bring to bear offensively. It probably would have been an easier decision for Pedro Grafal to get Andrew off his feet and get him a little bit more healthy for the next day or next course of days if there were a little bit more uh, depth on the bench. But because of injury and underproduction from a lot of different places, that just wasn't really available to the White Sox in 2023. And it's one of the reasons that this White Sox offense, uh, despite a decent year from Benintendi, not great, uh, but an okay year, uh, was not able to produce in the numbers it absolutely needed. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Brian Bannister, new White Sox pitching advisor in addition to the front office, uh, is going to join us here on the show. It'll be our first chance to talk with Brian, and we're looking forward to it. It's White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly with Connor McKnight on the home of the White Sox. ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.